This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It may sometimes feel a bit odd to send your doctor or nurse a picture of your weird rash, dodgy toe, leaky spot or sore eye. But since the start of the pandemic, Telemedicine has become a useful way to provide necessary healthcare whilst avoiding COVID-19 transmission, even for really intimate problems. This includes abortions. In March 2020, as the UK shut down, emergency legal orders were issued to allow early-stage at-home medical abortions in Great Britain. I understand that people feel strongly about this, but this honestly is a matter for human dignity, for women's dignity. And I urge honourable members to think very carefully when they put this forward today, because it really will make a huge difference to a huge number of women. Last week, MPs in Parliament voted to permanently allow them, in England at least. The eyes to the right were 275, the nose to the left 183, so the eyes have it. Wales will be keeping it too. The result was warmly welcomed by the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. And it got some people thinking. As the debate about abortion continues, alternative ways of getting one are also becoming a part of the conversation. Could access to early-stage medical abortions get even easier? with so-called Plan C pills one day available in shops and pharmacies. From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. I work and live in Texas now, and sort of watching us go uh, in the direction uh, back to where I was uh, before I moved here is very, it's pretty surreal, yes, (laughs) that's for sure. Dr. Abigail Aiken is an Associate Professor of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin, who researches unintended pregnancies and self-managed abortions. 
The first thing I asked Abigail was how early stage medical abortions, pills taken to terminate a pregnancy typically before 10 weeks, work. The medication abortion regimen is actually two different pills. The first is called mifepristone, and that is a progesterone blocker, so that will stop the pregnancy from developing. And then that's followed up by medication called misoprostol, and that's what we call a prostaglandin. It's something that helps the cervix uh, to soften and the uterus or womb to contract uh, to allow the pregnancy to be expelled. How were these pills traditionally provided and then taken? Before the pandemic, anyone accessing a medication abortion would have to come to a clinic in person and they would receive an ultrasound scan, they might receive some medical tests and they would have their abortion medications given to them in person by the doctor. And when the pandemic arose, um, I think people realized quickly that medication abortion um, could be effectively carried out remotely. And this would help to prevent uh, the spread of COVID and the risk of infection to both doctors and their patients. And here in the UK, once you've had the scan and any other tests that you might need depending on your pre-existing conditions, you would then take the first pill at hospital or the clinic before you were sent home. But as you've said, the pandemic has meant that doctors and patients were looking for ways to prevent unnecessary contact to reduce the risk of viral transmission. How did the process change when it was switched to getting them over the phone from a healthcare provider or, you know, via video call? So the new model for most people, uh, you'd have your consultation with your doctor over the phone or by video call, and then you would either have the medications mailed to your home so you could take them there or you could go and pick them up from the front desk of the clinic if you preferred that. Now, it's a hybrid model because for some people, they might be really, really unsure of how far along they are in their pregnancy, so they may not know when their last menstrual period was, or they might be reporting symptoms of what we call an ectopic pregnancy, where the pregnancy is not in the uterus, it's actually in the fallopian tube, and that would be a medical emergency. Or there may be a safeguarding issue, uh, you know, where a person needs to come into the clinic, they don't feel safe, or there's something going on that would require an in-person visit. So that option still remained on the table even after the policy change. But uh, for the majority of people, they did qualify for the remote telemedicine model. As long as you're healthy and you're sure about when your last period was, there aren't actually any more tests required, assuming that, you know, if you are pregnant, you've probably taken an at-home pee-on-a-stick pregnancy test. But before the UK made this switch during the pandemic, was there any evidence as to its safety or efficacy? There was some. So I think prior to the big switch that the UK made, there hadn't been a situation like that before when all of a sudden, you know, the entire policy of a country or a nation uh, really changed to let's implement this totally new model. But there had been some studies that were looking at, you know, do you really need an ultrasound scan as a routine part of uh, medication abortion? Do you really need to be in the presence of a doctor when you take your pill as opposed to taking it home with you? And 
there were some uh, studies pointing in that direction to be able to inform doctors and politicians in the UK when they decided, yes, let's do this and let's make this big shift in how we're going to provide care. This takes us on to your study, looking at the outcomes of women during the pandemic who access this kind of early stage medical at-home abortion. Tell us about that. What were you looking at? So in this study, uh, which was over 52,000 people in the study, we compared the outcomes of medication abortions provided prior to the policy change where everybody was coming to the clinic in person, everybody was getting an ultrasound scan, to right after, the the months after the policy had gone into effect. Uh, And in that time period, most people were not, not coming to the clinic. They were having their consultation by phone or video and they were having the pill mailed to their homes for home use. So we decided let's compare key outcomes of those abortions so we can see in real time how is this policy working? Are we seeing any change in how care is provided, what the experience is like, and what the medical picture looks like? So you were doing a kind of before and after analysis here, but what were the key outcomes that you were interested in? So the first thing we did was we looked at what we call effectiveness. And effectiveness is the rate of complete medication abortion using the pills alone. So you don't need any other intervention by a doctor to help end your pregnancy. And we find that in the traditional in-person group, 98.2% of patients had a successful medication abortion. And in the telemedicine group, after the policy change, it was 98.8%. And there was no significant difference statistically between those numbers. So no change in effectiveness. The next thing we did was look at safety. And uh, there are two significant adverse events uh, that are really uh, key here. One is hemorrhage. You can imagine there could be too much bleeding that would require you to come to the hospital for a transfusion, or you could have a serious infection. These are not common, but they can occur. And here we found that in the traditional in-person group, 0.04%, so a very small number of people experienced one of those complications. Whereas in the telemedicine group post-policy change, it was 0.02%. 2%. So a little lower, but again, not statistically different. So safety has not changed. So medically, we were seeing really that this telemedicine model was just as safe and just as effective as the traditional in-person model. So it's safe and as effective. And I assume that doing it remotely must make it actually easier to access the service for most people as well. It's easier picking up the phone than going into a doctor's office and sitting in a waiting room. Yes, absolutely. We also did look at the access issue here. And on average, people seeking medication abortion waited fewer days to receive the new telemedicine model than they did the traditional in-person model. And that means that they were able to get an abortion earlier on in their pregnancy. 40% of the abortions under the telemedicine model were performed at six weeks gestation or less versus 25% in the traditional in-person group. How did people feel about using the remote service? 
the clinics and doctors who took part in the study had a survey of people who had used the new telemedicine model that asked them to rate their satisfaction, the service, and also uh, whether they would choose telemedicine um, or the in-person model if they had the option between the two um, in the future. And the vast majority, 96% of people said they were either satisfied or very satisfied with their care. And 85% reported that they would choose the telemedicine model in the future if they had the option, mostly because of being more comfortable, greater privacy, and also greater convenience when you think about the fact that even if the clinic is close to you and you don't have to travel a long distance, which some people do, but even if you don't, you know, trying to get time off work, trying to find perhaps childcare, all of those things can be barriers to coming to a clinic in person. And so the acceptability of the new service was really high among the people using it. This evidence that you've described no doubt will have informed the recent vote in Parliament to keep remote access to early stage medical abortions in England. But of course, Abigail, and I wonder whether our listeners will have noticed a twang in your accent, but you hail from Northern Ireland where abortion was made legal in 2020, but still isn't that accessible for most people, um, as we've seen in recent reports. And now you're based in Texas, where abortion is illegal from as early as six weeks. And I wonder, seeing that and analysing this evidence for yourself, it must be quite personally frustrating that more countries aren't considering offering early abortions in this way, especially, I assume, since you will have experienced the stories of women trying to get these pills in other ways. You know, certainly policy change takes time. And, you know, now that we have this evidence from the um, study we did in Great Britain, we do hope that that will provide uh, an evidence base for other countries to take a look at what they're doing in terms of the accessibility of their services. And self-managed abortion or abortion happening outside the formal healthcare setting is something I'm very familiar with in the Irish and Northern Irish context. And it's something that is now becoming a greater part of the picture here in the United States. You know, now England and Wales have implemented this. Do you think we could ever see these pills become even more easily accessible? You know, we have Plan B pills, the morning after pill, available in pharmacies now. Could it ever be that these pills are similarly available in those kinds of places, a sort of Plan C? There is actually a lot of research going on uh, right now around the feasibility and the acceptability uh, and, of course, the safety and effectiveness of models like pharmacy pickup. And certainly, you know, in terms of the safety and effectiveness uh, part of this, we know that both mifepristone and misoprostol have extremely good safety records. They are very effective. And how well people get on with them tends to depend on the information they have uh, and the ability to follow up when it's needed. So to really make medication abortion uh, most accessible pharmacy models or pharmacy physician hybrid models would definitely be something uh, that policy makers would be looking to in the future and researchers are actively working on putting together the evidence for that i think the main hurdles are probably going to be political uh, rather than medical abigail that was absolutely fascinating thank you so much for coming on the podcast pleasure thank you so much for having me thanks again to dr abigail aitken 
We've put a link to our reporting on this story on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producer was Danielle Stevens. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.